Well, uh, good morning again. Good to see all of you, and and uh, the, we have several guests today. Glad to see all of you. Just a, a deep uh, sense of gratitude for all of you who uh, helped us launch three years ago, uh, Connection Church, those that have come since that particular point. But um, it was a unique time, most of us, so we know that it was a unique time, a difficult time. Uh, and yet we launched believing that God had a call and a plan and a purpose for us. And I uh, still believe that. Actually, um, here in the fall, after we get through with this series, and we're going to do one a little, uh, 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 a couple of weeks or a month on some end time stuff. And then I'm going to kind of re- reveal um, what I believe God's vision is for our church. Uh, I've been praying since early uh, spring, spending a lot of time in prayer and asking the Lord to clarify who we are, his purpose for us. Up to this point, many of you know that I've committed to preaching and pastoring, and uh, I believe that uh, God has now revealed some uh, some new direction for us, and I'll be preaching about that uh, uh, mid-fall uh, and, and uh, probably for several months. So that's coming as well. Today, I've entitled the message, Develop Healthy Relationships. Develop healthy relationships. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would have a teachable heart today. Lord, sometimes we're in the faith long enough or we're just mature enough in life that we we know we need to learn and we know we need to grow. And yet we've sometimes convinced ourselves that we pretty much learned what we needed to learn. Now we just need to live it out. And that may be true, and yet, Lord, I believe by your grace and your spirit, you still want to tinker on the inside. You want to shape and mold that inner person inside of us, who we really are in you, so that we don't live a life of vanity or foolishness, but we live a life of purpose and with a life with uh, eternity in mind. You know, God, in my life, uh, I think throughout the day, when I'm going to stand before you and give an account, what will I say about this or what will I say about that? And so keep eternity in front of us as well. Teach us by your spirit and your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. How are your relationships going? Think about it for a moment. How are your relationships going? For some of you, your mind will progress to the point where you're focused on maybe your marriage or maybe in regard to your parents or in regard to your kids. Maybe you'll think about your friends or maybe even your coworkers or neighbors. And so how are your relationships going? My assumption is that you've got some relationships that are really going well. And I celebrate with you on those healthy and positive relationships. My assumption is you have relationships that are just average. They're not really good and they're not really bad. They, they just are. And then my assumption, everybody in here probably has a relationship or more that are not really going that well. If you're honest with yourself, it's not really a very positive and healthy relationship. Right, wrong, or indifferent We all have a part to play in the condition of our relationships. How many of you have ever heard that old saying, it takes two to tango? Now, we say that a lot, but we don't always really believe it, right? 
It's his fault. It's her fault. It's their fault. So we might say it takes two to tango, but the other person's tangoing by themselves. All right? And I mentioned last week when we talked about marriage, and if you weren't here and you want a tape, there should be one out there or sign up and get one. We talked about uh, marriage and eight different things that could enhance your relationship. Well, one of the things I said is we gotta we got to quit uh, excelling in finger-pointing. And in any relationship, it doesn't have to be with your marriage. It could be towards your parents. It could be towards your kids. It could be towards a friend. It could be towards your pastor. It could be towards a congregational member. It could be towards your boss. It could be anybody. We've we got to quit excelling in the ability to finger point because it does take two to tango in any relationship. My friends, Christianity is not simply about a belief of faith. It includes practical faith that helps to produce right relationships. The reason I say that is because human beings, especially those of us who have grown up in the West, in Western culture, Western civilization, we are masters at compartmentalization. We compartmentalize our lives. Meaning we're, we're in one phase and then we go to another phase, we go to another phase. I say there's seven key areas of life. Spirit. Spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, relational, financial, and occupational. And what happens is that we don't let them interface very well, especially the spiritual realm. Oftentimes, people get very spiritual on Sunday mornings. About that hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning, they are plugged in. Man, it's about God. It's about my faith. It's about uh, spiritual issues. And then they leave and they go into another compartment, a job or finances or their emotions. And so what I want you to know is that we can't leave our faith out of our relationships. So many people, and I I marry young couples, and they just believe because they love each other, it's all going to work out. We're, We're innate in believing that we can get it done by ourselves. How many of you realize that that doesn't work very well long term? We need to bring our faith into every area and especially into relationships. Do everything in your power to make sure that you're developing healthy relationships. Now, I don't know whether you have or you are, but can I just remind you today that you need to prioritize relationships? You need to prioritize them because you know what? Sometimes they don't always stay at the top of the priority list. You've got other things going, maybe work or your hobbies or, or a pursuit for finances or your retire, whatever it might be. And relationships inadvertently drop down on the priority list. And what I want to encourage you today is let them elevate and become a priority because I, I think most of you would agree with me. Healthy relationships many times catapult, catapult you to a full and meaningful and happy and successful life. If you're not right here with God in a relationship, it's going to mess everything else up, won't it? And I don't know, maybe about you, when, when Kathy and I, uh, we're getting ready to celebrate 33 years of marriage, when Kathy and I are not unified and in alignment, no matter what I do, it still doesn't work too good. Because we're to be unified. When, when things are not going right with my kids, man, I, it just sets me a little off kilter. You know, if, if things aren't right with us, I just don't seem to, to kind of be in the zone. 
Healthy relationships really do give you a vibrancy of life. And so we want to prioritize our relationship with God and our relationship with family and our relationship with one another. We want to develop healthy relationships. So with that in mind, if you'll open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. Many of you know we've been going through a study of the book of Ephesians. If you're new here, we have one more chapter. Can you believe we've already got to chapter 6? We've got a few more weeks in that, and then, like I said, we're going to do a little series on uh, some thoughts about the end times, and then I'm going to go into sharing with you what I feel like over the last five or six months the Lord has clarified and shared with me in regard to His purpose and our vision here for the future. But right now, we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and today we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. Children. Now, if you're an adult, you can still... Realize this applies to you, okay? Sometimes, oh, well, everybody thinks, well, that's for people that are 12 or under. No, okay? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Bond servants, or I'd call these employees in modern-day culture, Employees, be obedient to those who are your employers, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service or men pleasing, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters, do, do the same things to them. Uh, Give up on your threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. I want to talk today briefly about family life and about career life. Family life, we started last week when we started talking about marriage. And again, if you weren't here, I encourage you to get that particular uh, tape and CD so that you can keep along with us. Today, we're going to transition to children and fathers. It's not about marriage, but I want you first to know God's interested in your family. God cares about family. Actually, family is the idea and the origin of Almighty God. He cares about your family. And because He cares about your family so much, and Paul captured that when he was writing this, he gave instructions to husbands and wives, and then he gave instructions to children and to fathers. Because, again, God wants to be in the center of your family. You know, I've been married, like I said, almost 33 years. Our oldest son is uh, 29, and our youngest son is 25, and we have a girl 26 in between. And I don't know if you're like this. I now have some understanding that I didn't have 29 years ago, that I wish so much I would have had. I was a Christian. I was in ministry. I was a pastor. And yet... I didn't always make God the center. Now, what I mean by that is that I just thought it was automatic. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. And so some of what I did or didn't do, I just thought God would bless our family. And now I look back and realize some things that I didn't do that I should have done or I did do that I shouldn't have done. And that's not just to beat myself over the head is to say, I, we all need to make God the center of our family. And if you haven't in the past, you can today. Don't live in the past. Don't live in guilt. Don't live in regret. Today, you can start making God the center of your family. 
So let's talk about it real quickly. Children, there's two things that God encourages you to do. Number one, not encourages you, almost uh, instruction to do, obedience. Do you see it there? Obey your parents. Now, how many kids, if you tell them that, are going to go, oh, wonderful. Jump up and down. I'm so excited. Why do we make obedience a negative rather than a positive? It's a part of our human nature because we don't want anybody to tell us what to do. We don't want anybody to make us obey. The Bible says that we are to obey our parents Now, listen to me. Obedience is so that we stay on the right path and we don't get detoured. This came to me. Kathy and I, many of you know, we uh, went on a little bit of a vacation over the Western Slope, Telluride and Uray and Crested Butte. And Kathy loves to hike. I hate it. Why do do you marry opposites sometimes? She, She knows that. I'd like to be sitting on a beach and she'd like to be hiking. Anyway, we're hiking. I don't like hiking. Okay, did I tell you that? I don't like hiking. That's exercise and you know, she's looking around at the birds and the butterflies, and I love her for that, man, and, and the trees, and she's taking pictures, and I'm going, let's get there, the end of the trail. How many guys are like that? I'm not looking around at the, uh, get to the end of the trail. And we get to this place, and I said, Kathy, now where are we, where we going to end up? And she pointed right over there. It was this, you could see down on Crested Butte in this nice valley. She says, we're going right over there. But the trail was going over there. Made no sense to me. So she says, let's go. And I said, no, let's go. I wanted to get off the trail because I could see where I was going. Thank God I have a wife who is that way. But you know what? She, obedience is not negative to her. She grew up in a home, and, her, and God just wired her that obedience is a positive, not a negative. So she stays on the path. You know what? I would have, I would have been in trouble. They probably, she probably would have had to call 911, okay, and rescue you, me. Even though I was convinced I could see the end, I knew the way to get there. There was probably, you know, swamp down there or quicksand or snakes or whatever. I probably wouldn't have come out alive. Because I wasn't staying on the path, because I wasn't being obedient. And how many of you know that I'm very mechanically inclined, right, Monty? I mean, you need a project done? Call me. Why do they give you an instruction manual? So that you can be obedient to finish the project. So you can put it together and it works. I hate instruction manuals. Did I tell you I don't like hiking? And that I don't like to stay on the path? But you know what? That's the way we are as human beings. When it comes to obedience, it's like we don't want to stay on the path. I know where I can go. I know where I want to go, and I can get there, and I don't need the instruction manual. Big mistake. And you all know this in your own lives and people that you love. Because of disobedience as a child. Whatever age you want to put that in, there's a lot of sorrow. And there's a lot of pain. And there's a lot of disappointment. And there's a lot of heartache. Because we disobeyed. 
nothing good comes out of disobedience. Even if you think you can get to the path, to the end of the path quicker, or you think you don't need the instruction manual, if you fall prey to that, nothing good comes out of disobedience. But there are many blessings that come out of obedience. So when, when Paul is saying to believers, children, obey your parents, it's not like you better obey them because God's a bad God or your parents are bad. He's saying because I want you to get to the end of the trail in a healthy and productive and safe way. Because I want you to know how life works. This is going to be a blessing for you, not a curse. Obedience is not a negative. It's a positive. Children, obey your parents and honor them. Doesn't it say that? Honor your father and your mother. The, the word honor, as you well know, is just to give proper uh, recognition and respect. It's like I said in marriage last week. We can take each other for granted. Hey, kids. Don't take your parents for granted. It's easy. Well, their mom and their dad, they can bail me out emotionally or relationally or financially. No. Honor them. Do everything. And you know what? There's no age bracket on that. My mom is 45, 46. Yeah, okay. It does not matter what age this woman is. It is my job, it is my role, it's my responsibility, and more than anything, it's my opportunity to honor her and to love her and to respect her because she gave me life and because God gave me the best mom in the entire world. Children, obey and honor your parents. Amen? Some of you, well, I'm not going to get done with this message. I can just tell you right now. So I don't know how, what we're going to do with it. But uh, some of you say, well, you don't, you don't, your mom's not like my mom. You don't know my mom. Or my mom wasn't there. And I, I want to be careful. I want to be sensitive. But, but, you know, mom slapped me around. Or mom called me names. Or I, I am sorry. My heart would break for you. That you didn't have that positive mom or dad. But this is not about them. This is about you. This is about your faith. This is about you triumphing over something that could have taken you down. I know that that might be a challenge and it's probably more time to get together, but I don't see the Bible says honor your your mother and your father if they were the best in the world. It just says to do it. Again, it's not a negative. It's a positive. And let's go on. And here's the point. Number three, that it may go well with you and that you may live long on earth. How many of you want to live a successful life? How many of you want to live a long life? Okay, if you want those two, what does it say? Obey and honor your parents. Now, sometimes we obey and we honor and do things that are right because they're right. But here they come with a promise from Almighty God. And it's a magnificent promise as it is. So the Bible says if you want to live a good life and you want to live a long life, 
You need to obey and honor your mother and your father. If you will do what he says, he'll give you the prize. The point is we want the prize sometimes, but we want to use all the excuses why we don't obey or we don't honor. I don't know that there's a lot of excuses. I know that's challenging, and I've been with many people who, uh, as you know, you appreciate it, poured out their heart on, on what they had to go through as small children, and it breaks my heart with abuse and neglect and all the other stuff I've heard. But I can't, I don't get, I didn't write the book. I don't, I don't get to choose what I want or what I don't want out of the book. This is God's book, and it's not because he's a bad guy. It's because he's a good guy. We can put it that. He's a good God, and he wants the best for you. And so he's given you some instructions, and he says, Obey and honor your mother and your father that it may go well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Are we okay with that? Maybe we're not, but we should be. Or, or let's move to that direction. And then fathers. How many of your fathers in here? We're not off the hook. Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath or to anger. You know what that Greek word really means? It means to agitate, to nitpick, to control or dominate. No human being, even a small child, wants to be dominated or criticized or put down regularly. Hey, let's face it. And again, again, most of us, our kids are raised maybe... Uh, you can train your, your children as they raise their kids. I don't understand how all this works when you get at, at my age, except here's the reality. Kids are going to be kids. They're going to be foolish. They're going to be immature. They're going to be stu- stupid at times. I forgot I don't like that word, so erase that from the tape. Because I don't like that word. They're going to be foolish. They're going to get themselves in trouble. But you criticizing them, you putting them down, you chastising them in a very natural human way, not spiritual way, calling them names, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Again, I grew up in a time, my dad's 87 years old, and I mean, you know, you jump when he says jump, and, and my dad's a great dad and I love him and we have a great relationship talked to him yesterday but you know what you know this this touchy I'm a touchy feeler kind of guy the touchy feely parent uh, dad wasn't in my dad's era you know what I'm saying but the point being is when you just get on that doesn't motivate him How, did you know that they say scientifically that you need seven positives to one negative? And some of you are going, oh, shoot the psychology people. And I don't know if it's seven to one or six to one or ten to one. And what I, I really don't care what the statistic like that is. What I want to tell you is please give them a whole lot more positives than negatives. Not just because we're human, but because I understand something about the, the human psyche and soul that you should too. We're broken people. We're sin-filled people. We already know the inferiority and the insecurity. There's a wound in our soul by being human that only God can fill. But you criticizing and over-controlling and dominating and putting the thing, that won't work on that wounded soul. You think it'll motivate him, and what it does is it discourages him. 
Now, some of you are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. But I'm saying because of a spiritual, not psychological, spiritual, they need to know not a frowned God, but they need to know a God that loves them. Most people grew up in religion. God's not smiling. God's mad at them because they haven't done all the right things. And then it goes on in the other word. I'd say, uh, but bring your, uh, them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. I just call this father's. You've got to move from mastering your kids to mentoring your kids. How many of you know that kids go through different age brackets? You know that? One of the things that I'm really concerned about in our culture today, in the Jewish culture, when you hit puberty, that was God's sign for a young boy or a young girl that they were now to be a young adult, not a kid anymore. They weren't children anymore. That was God's way. Puberty was saying they've elevated. You don't master them anymore. You mentor them. And I still I see this so delayed. People today, they see, they see their children when they're 13, 14, 15, 16, 20, 22. They're still children. No, they're not. They're young adults or they're, they're, they should be growing into an adulthood. We've, we've delayed the process, I believe. Puberty was the time that God said, okay, you've got to quit mastering your kids per se, and you've got to start mentoring them. You've got to start advising them. I know I've just stirred it all up and we're all going to go home, and you're going to have a fun time over lunch criticizing what I said, picking it apart, what you liked, mostly what you didn't like, but you will affirm that I uh, am to uh, my mom, the best preacher, and that I don't like hiking. Whatever you get out, whatever else you don't talk about at lunchtime, because I'm stirring it up. And, you know, I'm not even going to do the rest of the message because it's too late. Because I wanted to stir it up so you can go home and talk about me. But here's what I believe. Dylan, Renella, come back. This is what I believe. Children. Obey your parents. And honor your mother and your father. So that it will go well with you. And you'll live long on the earth. And fathers, be very careful that you don't nitpick. And that you don't over-criticize. You know, I'm all for lines, boundaries, discipline. You know, don't take that too far. And if you've got a child past the age of puberty, don't master them, mentor them. Get alongside them and understand that according to God's view, He said when they hit puberty, they're now young adults. Don't look at them like you can still overly control them because what you're going to do is you're going to divide, you're going to put a wedge there. I know this isn't a parenting seminar, and I know a lot of us have already raised our kids. Don't be too quick to overlook these verses. Some of you go, gosh, hey, I, I, this really doesn't apply to me. If you have a parent still living, it does. Even if your parents are deceased, I thought about that. And I've taken people through some therapy where they had to write letters to their mother and father that have passed to say, forgive me for not being obedient, for not honoring you the way that I should have. They went back to repair it. 
And fathers, you say, well, God, I already raised my kids. Hey, I'm still a dad until until God takes me. I still got to make sure that I'm mentoring and not mastering because I have a personality I'd like to dominate and control. I'd like to pick out, here's not what you're doing. Hey, better do that right. So I think this passage is applicable. And hopefully today, somewhere along the line, it can encourage you. It can make you a, a better man or a better woman. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and sing. Sing, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. I know I heard you loud and clear, so I followed through. Somehow I ended up here. I don't want to think I may never understand that my broken heart is a part of your plan. Wanna try to pray all of God has heard in these four words.
encourage you uh, the next couple of weeks, even though uh, uh, Nick's going to do a great job. He is just a very good, anointed young man to preach. Um, I think what a lot of us face every day, whether we fully understand it or are totally equipped, is spiritual warfare. Have you ever heard of spiritual warfare? Um, we're really in a battle, day in and day out. And uh, actually, chapter 6 of uh, Ephesians, we finished it up with a little bit family life and career life, but really it's going to it's going to finish out with uh, talking about spiritual battle and spiritual warfare. And Nick's going to start that off, and I think it's really important for all of us. So I just want to invite you back uh, to be a part of that. If you have friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, uh, they may be interested in spiritual warfare also. So I just want to invite you to come back the next couple of weeks. You're going to be really good with that. Hey, happy birthday, three years. Thanks for your love and grace, love in the Lord. Let's just continue to be obedient and, uh, and surrender and, uh, and serve him faithfully. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day.